Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show where you will learn about digital addiction, lured and hooked on technology by design. My first guest is Nir Ayal, who is the author of Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Nir, thanks for joining me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Let me toot your horn a little bit. Nir Ayal Ayal writes, consults, and teaches about the intersection of psychology, technology, and business. Nir founded two tech companies since 2003 and has taught at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and the Hasso Plattner Institute of Design at Stanford. He is also an active investor in habit-forming technologies. All right, Nir, I got so much I want to cover with you. We'll see how we do. Yeah, let's dive in. <laughs> let's dive in. I am intrigued by what you call behavioral design and how the seduction of technology has the ability to hijack our attention spans. Yeah, well, I want to make sure I'm clear. I don't design the bad stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. Only the, oh, he, he's Let a good guy. <laughs> I wrote hooked. I wrote my first book to steal their secrets. And the idea was that why is it only the social media companies and the gaming companies that make technology that's so habit forming and sticky? Why can't we use the same techniques to make all sorts of other products more engaging to build healthy habits in people's lives? And that's exactly what's happened. So since I published hooked five years ago, companies like FitBod uh, gets people hooked to exercising in the gym. Companies like Kahoot that I invested in, it's the world's largest educational software, gets kids hooked onto in-classroom learning. Uh, My clients include the New York Times that I have helped them get people hooked to reading the newspaper every day. So the idea here behind my work is to use the psychology behind engaging products and services to build good habits. Now, Given that I understand how these products work, I also understand the Achilles heel of these products and services. And so I wanted to write a book that helped me. I I was patient zero here. I wanted something to help me not overuse these technologies because I'm not a Luddite. I love technology. Technology is wonderful. I mean, obviously, look, we're talking here from uh, miles away for with this free technology and and distributing this message all over uh, the world now with these amazing technologies. So there's a lot of good we can get out of these technologies. We just want to make sure that we can use them in such a way that they serve us as opposed to us feeling like we are serving them. Well, let's talk a little bit about the neuroscience that is going on here. Like what is happening under the human hood that we are so drawn to it? I mean, I know from a physiological perspective, what goes on, right? We're getting dopamine and all sorts of good hormones running through our bodies that we love, you know, oxytocin, But how do we learn to control these internal triggers? 
Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a, a neuroscience joke that you won't find very funny, but there's a neuroscience joke that, that <laughs> goes something like this that says, what's the role of dopamine in the brain? And the punchline is the role of dopamine in the, in the brain is to cons- is to confuse neuroscientists. Ah. Uh, and we have to be very skeptical when people tell us that that, uh, that these technologies are, you know, uh, releasing dopamine and addicting us and hijacking our brains. Uh, it, it, that, that typically is is an overstatement and it's used to, to, to fear monger a bit. And I understand it makes good headlines and it's very catchy and memorable. But we have to remember the the technology is you know dopamine is not cocaine <laughs> no dopamine true true and endorphins are released when you give someone a hug when you learn the piano when you play tennis all of this stuff you know releases squirts of dopamine so that being said i mean clearly these these technologies are designed to be engaging and of course we want them to be right do we want to tell tim cook over at apple hey apple you know the iphone it's really user-friendly. Can you make it less user-friendly? Because I want to use it a lot. Or Netflix, your shows, they're really good. Can you stop making such right. good shows? I don't I mean, want to do on. that as much. That's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. So my point is, instead of blaming technology, and this is what we tend to see, we tend to see two categories of people when it comes to distraction. One group of people, we call them the blamers. They're the ones who say, it's technology's fault. It's Facebook. It's the iPhone. It's that oh, chocolate no, cake. No, 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 it's no, no, doing no. it to me. The other group, and this is the group I used to fall into, we call those the shamers. The shamers are the people like me, like I used to do, who who shame themselves. There must be something wrong with me. I, maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I'm, I'm an imposter at my job. I no, don't really know what I'm doing. I, I don't have a good attention span. I, I, I have poor self-control. And we shame ourselves. And in fact, what the studies find is that when we do that, as I used to do, it makes the problem even worse. Because when we feel bad, we look for escape, guess with what? More distraction to take our minds off of those negative feelings. So we don't want to be a blamer. We don't want to be a shamer. We want to be what we call a claimer. A claimer claims responsibility, acknowledging that, look, this stuff isn't your fault. You didn't invent the chocolate cake. You didn't invent email. You didn't invent (laughs) the iPhone. This isn't your fault. But, but all it, are delicious. Yes, it, exactly. It <laughs> is your responsibility. So you can't change how you feel. You can only change how you respond to your feelings. And so what the claimers do, and I think this is a much healthier approach, is that they learn tactics to cope with these what we call internal triggers, these uncomfortable emotional states that we feel that lead us towards distraction. Because at the end of the day, the real source of distraction is not the external trigger. It's not the pings, the dings, the rings. The real source of distraction, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's that we are escaping something we don't want to feel. Stress, anxiety, uncertainty, fatigue. That's why we turn on the television. That's why we drink from the bottle. That's why we check Facebook when we know we don't want to. It's because we do not have the capabilities to deal with these uncomfortable internal trigger, these feelings that we don't know how to cope with. So what's the solution? How do we master this? How do we get a grip on it? Yeah, so we become indistractable, and becoming indistractable has four basic steps, the first of which, the most important, the the first step has to be 
to master internal triggers. And so there are all sorts of techniques we can use. I, I, I don't use any of these, you know, personal techniques. A lot, a lot of people in the self-help, personal development space, they kind of just make up stuff. <laughs> everything I put in the book, you know, I, I, I worked on this book for five years now. And, uh, you know, everything in the book is backed by, by peer-reviewed studies. So there's about 20 pages of citations. So I draw on 30, 40-year-old research from acceptance and commitment therapy. Uh, there are all sorts of techniques I describe in the book. But the first most important strategy is to master the internal triggers. The second step is to make time for traction, which is all about planning our day, making sure that we can actually turn these distractions, these things that we would otherwise uh, take us off track into acts of traction. So it's maybe it's important to talk about this for a second. You know, when you ask people, what is the opposite of distraction? They'll tell you focus. But I don't agree. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. That if you look at the entomology of the word, both words come from the Latin root trahare, which means to pull. And they both end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N. That spells action. Action, yeah. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do. The opposite of traction is distraction, anything that pulls you away from what you plan to do. So this is really important for two reasons. Number one, anything can be a distraction. If you sit down at your desk like I used to do every day and say, okay, now I'm going to work on that big project. Now I'm going to do the thing that I've been procrastinating on. Here I go. I'm finally going to get to work. But let me check email first. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me cross a few speed bumps. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and it feels worky, right? It feels productive. But I would argue that, that this is where distraction tricks you because we think, oh, that's, that's kind of a work task. That's important. I got to do that anyway. But I would argue anything that you did not plan to do with intent is just as much of a distraction. And that email is maybe a more pernicious distraction because, you know, if you're playing Candy Crush, that's obviously not what you plan to do. But if it's you know, if you're at work, but if you're checking email when you really need to be working on that big project, you're prioritizing the urgent at the expense of the important. And that is really pernicious. So. Just as anything can be distraction, anything can be an act of traction. So if you plan time for it, there's no moral hierarchy. There's nobody that says that, you know, what, what, or I don't think we should say that uh, Candy Crush is somehow morally inferior to watching football on TV. There's no difference. Anything you do with intent on your schedule according to your values, enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with it. And so that's why we need to be okay with making time for these, these acts of traction in our day, turning them from distraction into traction by planning ahead. So that's the second step. That's the cookie. Like, okay, I'm going to do my stuff and I'm going to give myself a cookie. What do you mean? Well, you know, like the, the, the reward, like I really enjoy fantasy football. Or I really enjoy Candy Crush. Okay, so I'm going to allow myself to do that as part of my day when I accomplish these other things. To me, that's the cookie, you know, the, 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 uh, the treat. Yeah. Um, let me, let me push back a little bit respectfully. Please because what, do. What, yeah. What, what, so my book is full of turning over apple carts. <laughs> the book is full of these, uh, the, you know, the, the, the folk psychology that turns out that studies actually show backfires. And one of those things is what you just mentioned, an extrinsic reward. It turns out that when we implement an extrinsic reward, the, the cookie that says, hey, if I study for half an hour, if I clean my house for 45 minutes, if I do what I say I'm going to do, then I get some kind of reward. That has actually been shown to backfire. It makes the task less 
less enjoyable. It makes us less likely to do it in the future because we're only doing it for the extrinsic reward as opposed to the intrinsic motivation. And so in the book, I teach you how to do what psychologists call play anything. Imagine if you could take any task and make it into play. Now, not in the Mary Poppins way of spoonful of sugar. The spoonful of sugar technique doesn't work because again, it's an extrinsic reward. The way we do it is we focus more intently on the task and we add variability to it, not so that it will be fun. The goal should not be fun or enjoyment. The goal should be so that it captures our attention long enough to help us do the task we said we are going to do. Got it. Understood. And, and wait, and where does Candy Crush fit in all this? <laughs> so so can, if you enjoy playing Candy Crush, put time in your calendar for Candy Crush, for Facebook, for YouTube, whatever it is you want to do with your time, make an appointment with yourself to do the things you enjoy. Why is this so important? For a few reasons. One, when you know that time is coming in your day, you don't ruminate on it. You don't think to yourself, ooh, I wonder what's waiting for me on Facebook. I better check it. Or I, I wonder what's happening on email. I better check it. You know that, no, at certain times of the day, you will do those things that you said yourself you will do. The other reason this is so important is that, you know, most of us, we believe this myth of the to-do list. We have a hundred things on the to-do list because that's what the productivity gurus tell us to do. Have a to-do list and everything will get done. I call BS. Eh. It doesn't work. <laughs> and here's why it doesn't work. Because, you know, this would happen to me day in and day out. I, you know, this book took me five years to write and I, I implemented these techniques on my own and I, I didn't realize that I subscribed to this myth of the to-do list. And here's what would happen. I'd have a hundred things on my to-do list. I'd have a wonderfully productive day and I'd do 10 things. And then at the end of the day, I would look at my list and I'd say, oh, I still have 90 more things I didn't get done. And I would feel like a loser day after day after day. Instead, what I do now, by keeping a time box calendar, and this has been validated in thousands of studies have shown that this is a highly effective technique. It's called making an implementation intention. Just a fancy way of saying doing what you're saying, what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. By making an implementation intention, what you are doing, you're not saying, I will finish this, finish that, finish this, like on you would on your to-do list. Instead, your only goal becomes to work on a task without distraction for a set period of time. Because studies have shown that we are terrible at predicting how long a task will take us to complete. We're really bad at it. So when we put on our to-do list, oh, finish the presentation, clean this, do that, if it's all about the output, we're kidding ourselves if we don't account for the input. Instead, the goal should be, your only goal should be, work on this for 30 minutes, done. And then with every time block in your calendar, you feel like a winner as opposed to a loser because your only goal is to prove to yourself, I can work on this task without distraction for as long as I said I would, and then move on to the next thing. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to continue the conversation with Nir Eyal. We're talking about Indistractable, how to control your attention and choose your life. To learn more, please visit indistractable.com. You can connect with Nir at Nir Eyal. On Twitter and on Facebook, near and far. And on Instagram, for those of you out there, it is NAL99. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee. Put that on your list. Before we break, I want to remind you to take good care of your mental health, just like you should take care of your one and only precious body. In fact, taking care of our mental health should not be a luxury, but a self-care necessity. 
Mental health care is a sound investment in ourselves that pays off in multiple ways over time. My go-to self-care includes exercise, meditation, connecting with family and friends, and making time to play. But most importantly, I also take the time to speak with a therapist to help bolster my emotional well-being. And that's why I'm proud to be partnered with Talkspace Online Therapy. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And now, Talkspace covers 40 million people for online therapy through their insurance or employer. Talkspace is an affordable, secure, and private interactive platform that provides a virtual space to talk it out with a licensed therapist from the comfort and privacy wherever you are, 24-7, whenever, and for whatever is on your mind. Connect with a licensed therapist from the palm of your hand by reaching out using your smart device. Talking it out reduces stress, anxiety, and depression. And Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists trained in more than 40 specialties. Got something bugging you? Let Talkspace help find the right mental health care professional for you. We all need someone to talk to. Talkspace wants to give us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or by downloading the Talkspace app. And don't forget to use the promo code HAPPINESS at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com, promo code HAPPINESS. Now let's take that pause. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. And we're back. Before we return to the conversation, I want to speak to you as a business owner. If you're running your own small business like me, you know that at times it can be tough and bookkeeping is tedious. NetSuite, one of today's sponsors, has shown me how to make my life a little easier by ditching spreadsheets and old accounting software programs, putting an end to some needless suffering around here. I've upgraded to NetSuite and upgraded my happiness. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Now's the time to step up your game by upgrading your business to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud-based business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and controls over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need to administer your business all on one unified platform from a single dashboard instantaneously. This empowers you to focus on your business rather than worry about your back-end systems. Businesses big and small save time and money with NetSuite. Join me and tens of thousands of companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash happiness. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash happiness. NetSuite.com slash happiness. Now let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Nir Ayal. Nir, I want to dig deeper into becoming indistractable. So give us some more hints and help on how to do that. 
Sure. So we talked about step number one is about mastering those internal triggers, understanding that the root cause of all distraction is a desire to escape an uncomfortable emotion. It's some kind of, of impulse control that we need to develop in order to make sure that when we feel those uncomfortable sensations, they lead us towards traction rather than distraction. So that's step one. And there are all sorts of strategies that you can use around that that I talk about in the book. The next step is about making time for traction. And this is really about turning our values into time. So I'm not here to tell you what your value should be. What I wanna help you do is whatever it is that you say you wanna do with your time, whatever values are important to you, it's imperative that we turn those values into time, that we have a time on our calendar to do those things, to live out our values. So if taking care of your physical health is important, do you have time on your calendar for exercise, for proper nutrition, for proper rest? If being with your friends and family is important, is that time scheduled? And of course, in the workplace, do you have time? If your job requires thinking, it's amazing. You know, I do a lot of conferences and workshops and I'll ask people in the audience, you know, whose job requires critical thinking? Everybody's hand goes up. And then I say, well, how many of you make time in your day for focused reflection for that critical thinking? Yeah. Two hands go up out of 200 people. <laughs> I can imagine. So, so yeah. to, because we are so busy reacting all day long, reacting to emails, reacting to meetings, that we have no time for reflection. And so f reflection these days is a competitive advantage in the workplace because nobody's doing it. Nobody's taking the time to actually think for 30, 45 minutes a day to decide what they want to do next in their life and their professional career. Very, very important. So we wanna make time for traction using a time box calendar, which I describe exactly how to do, and then synchronizing that schedule with the various stakeholders like our boss, like our significant other on a weekly basis. So that's a big part of how we become indistractable because the big takeaway here is you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So if you have lots of white space in your calendar, <laughs> everything's a distraction. Yes. How can you complain about getting distracted if you didn't plan what you got distracted from? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the critical second step. The third step is to hack back the external triggers. So the external triggers are these pings, dings, and rings, all of these things in our environment that can lead us towards distraction. And I say hack back in the, in the tech terminology, you know, to hack a computer hacker gains unauthorized access to something. And in this case, you know, our technologies, many of them gain unauthorized access to our attention because of all these pings and dings. So I argue, why not hack back? Yeah. There are so many things that we can do to make sure that we use these products and services in a way that serves us as opposed to us feeling like we are serving them. For example, two thirds of people with a smartphone two-thirds of people with a smartphone never change their notification settings. What? Well, how can we complain that technology is Guilty. so addictive? <laughs> Guilty. If we have, I mean, it takes five minutes. If that. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, you know, we don't need every news alert. We don't need every ping and ding from Facebook to constantly interrupt us. That is the kind of hacking back we need to do in order to make sure that we're not constantly distracted by our devices. So I show you how to do that on your phone, on your computer. You know, uh, email is a constant source of distraction. I tell you how to hack that back. Meetings. Oh my goodness. And the American workplace is full of these superfluous, unnecessary meetings. I show you how to hack those back. And most importantly, you know, when they do surveys, of what is the most distracting thing that the, that the average American knowledge worker faces in their day, number one is not the computer, it's not the cell phone, it's your colleagues. 
The number one source of distraction in the workplace is being interrupted, especially for people who work in open floor plan offices, terrible source of distraction. So I tell you exactly how to hack back all of these external triggers that can lead you towards distraction. So that's step three. And then finally, the last step is about preventing distraction with pacts. Pacts are these pre-commitments that we make, these promises we make to ourselves, to other people that can help us stay on track. And ironically, the solution to, as a fail-safe, as the last step to preventing distraction is using technology to help prevent distraction from technology. So I'll give you one quick example. There's a, a wonderful app, it's free, it's called Forest that I use every day. And every time I need to do focus work, every time I need to sit and think and do work that's a, a difficult task that I'm likely to get distracted while I'm doing, I'll open this app on my phone and I'll dial in how much time I need to do focused work for, 45 minutes typically. Then there's a little button that says plant, okay? And when I hit this button plant, this cute little virtual tree is planted on my screen. Now, if I pick up my phone and I do anything with it, the little virtual tree dies. Oh. Now, who cares, right? It's a virtual tree. It doesn't matter. But that cute little virtual tree, I don't want to kill the virtual tree. So it's enough of a reminder to remind me, nope, that's not really what I want to do right now. That's not what I want to do with my time. I want to stay focused. I want to do the thing that I said I was going to do. So we can actually use technology to prevent distraction from technology by making these pacts. I love this. Years ago, we had someone on the show from the Pomodoro technique. And I, I you know, I noodled around with it. I, I, I used the timer for 20 minutes to see what I could accomplish. And listeners, you'd be surprised the stuff you can get done in 20 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, you know, the Pomodoro technique is wonderful. It's, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people use. And, and I would argue any amount of time that you set aside to do what you say you're going to do and then accomplishing that task, this has so many benefits principally is that you are reinforcing your own agency. Yes. When we lie to ourselves day after day, as I used to do, I would say I was going to go to the gym. I wouldn't, I would say I was going to eat healthy, but I didn't. I say I was going to be fully present with my daughter, my wife, my mind would be elsewhere. I would say I was going to work on that big project, but I procrastinate. And this created a pattern of me convincing myself that I wasn't capable, that I wasn't good enough, that oh, I didn't have self-control. That's BS. <laughs> and it, exactly, exactly. So to break that cycle, we have to show ourselves that we have the agency. Ever in, in whatever small increment you can, this is how we become indistractable. We say we're going to do one thing, and we follow through with it. It's imperative and it's the skill of the century because if you think the world is distracting now, just wait a few years. It's only going to become more distracting, right? With augmented reality and virtual reality and God knows whatever else is coming down the pipes from Silicon Valley. There's only going to be more potential distraction. So it behooves us as well as us teaching our children how to become indistractable. And the practice that you speak of, you know, the, the, the setting time aside and following through with um, the pact is part of retraining the brain. We're talking about neuroplasticity, right? And the ability to teach old dogs and younger dogs new tricks. Right, exactly. So when we get into this this new behavioral pattern and acknowledge that, look, it's not the technology that's doing it to us. It's the fact that we have a certain habit, a certain impulsivity to checking our devices, to using any sort of distraction to ease our discomfort. So what we want to do is to break that pattern. And the the, the beautiful thing is, we can do this. I mean, if there's one mantra to this yes, book. Yes, we can. <laughs> absolutely can. If there's, if there's one saying I want people to remember, it's that the antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. 
we as a, as the human race have this amazing ability to see into the future in a way that no other animal can. We can see what is going to happen with greater fidelity than any other creature on the face of the earth. So if you wait until the chocolate cake is on the fork, you're going to eat it. Yeah. If, if the it's too late. Is lit, it's too late. <laughs> if the cigarette is lit, you're going to you're going to smoke it. If the phone is on your nightstand first thing in the morning when you wake up, you're going to pick it up. You've already lost because you're depending upon willpower and self-discipline and self-control. And that stuff doesn't work. What works is having a system, planning ahead. That is how we can conquer every distraction. We're almost out of time, and I want to just bring up one more point. In the book, Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life, you speak about building indistractable relationships. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that, because you mentioned about being present for your daughter, being present for your wife. How does it translate? It, It does, of course, but I would love for you to share how you did it. Yeah. So that's one of the best benefits of becoming indistractable is that I do what I say I'm going to do. I live with personal integrity when it comes to my relationships. And so that's taken on um, many different facets. You know, I spend more quality time with my daughter than I ever did. Uh, I've been married to my wife now for 18 years and we have a better relationship than we ever had. We used to constantly fight about why I wasn't doing my household responsibilities. Uh, We don't have those kind of fights anymore. I'm 41 now and I'm in the best physical shape of my life because I actually work out when I say I will. So and I'm more productive at work. I finished my my second book and it took me five years to write this book because for the first three years, I was always distracted. <laughs> so yeah. It wasn't until I, I, I sorted through all this research, you know, there's 20 pages of citations at the back of the book. It wasn't until I figured out this methodology and these four critical parts at the heart of distraction that I could finally overcome it. Well, you are a delight, and I am so glad we got to share this time together. The book we are speaking about is Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life by my guest, Nir Eyal. To learn more about Nir and his work, please visit indistractable.com, on Twitter at Nir Eyal, on Facebook, Nir and Far, which is also the what your regular website too, right? Near. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Nearandfar.com. I, I want to give the plug there because you've got some cool resources over there. So people can visit there. And on Instagram, it is NAL99. Near, thank you so much and great success with this book. It, it's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. And we are back, continuing our conversation about digital addiction, lured and hooked on technology by design. My next guest is a fave of the show. She's written a new book about dealing with a digital detox. Let's welcome back Jordan Reed. She's the founding editor of the lifestyle blog, Ramshackle Glam, and the author of two parenting and style memoirs. Her hobbies include creating unnecessary complications insomnia, and maintaining an impressive collection of fake plants. She lives in California with her two children, twin orange cats, and a Roomba named Thanos. She's the author of The Big Activity Book for Digital Detox, and that is actually what we are talking about. So in the meanwhile, put away your device, except if you're listening to us on your device, 
and tune in because we're going to have some fun. Jordan, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much for having me again. I love this. Uh, oh, I, I do too. I do too. You and I have had some good laughs together and they, uh, they continue. <laughs> they, they most definitely continue because we're in the midst of COVID mania. I had heard of that. Yes. 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 In case, in case any of you out there have not heard of it and we are not exploring mask fashion today, we are exploring how to get your kids and yourself off those dang devices. Well, th- you know, it's an interesting thing promoting a book right now about uh, digital detox at the exact point in time when we've all realized that the only way we can connect with each other is through our devices. And, I, you know, I'm so obviously grateful to have FaceTime, but also just because we, you know, can appreciate technology does not mean we need to super glue our iPhones to our eyeballs and call it a day. <laughs> you know, we still have to remember to find balance. I do know, in fact, that is a challenge for a lot of us right now because the the cellular device or the mobile devices are a lifeline to the outside world, to humanity. They also suck us in. You know, there's like a big suction cup, like, (laughs) you know? Right, and we were trying to, I mean, I felt like there was a lot of guilt surrounding technological device use, you know, in the past months. And now we all sort of like gave up. We collectively were like, forget it. I give up. I give up. Just yep. give me my phone. Give me all the time. Give me all day. Yep. And I think that, the, you know, first of all, let's forget the guilt. That That is the number one thing for me. Like, yeah, yeah, my kids are in screens most of the day, whether it's a computer doing schoolwork or TV because mom needs to work too. And I have got to not feel guilty about that. Speaking of the little darlings, I hear them in the background, the little yes, chirping yes. birds. And this is, you know, <laughs> yes. this is real life right now. Um, the super moms out there and super dads out there who are multitasking out of your executive boardrooms in your houses mm-hmm. are dealing with this. This is this is the new normal, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I'm doing an interview right now with you and simultaneously making brownies with my daughter and holding up a finger at my son saying, shh, shh, right. shh off to the side. And I'm, I'm making gestures at him saying, go watch TV. Like, please don't watch TV. Just Hand him his device. Here, go. Yeah. <laughs> go, go play. Go. <laughs> I, I mean, I literally don't. It cannot be overstated how challenging this is. And I, and I am, I am, you know, it is not beyond me that I'm very fortunate to have a job where I can work from home. but. I just got my kids' school schedules on Monday and I, I burst into tears because they were both wildly specific, completely different, and required enormous involvement on my part. And, you know, they, I can, they, there's two computers in the house. So one for my daughter, one for my son. And then when do I write a book? I have a book due in three weeks. It's just, yeah. it's, and, you know, and again, I, and I am lucky. So I don't know, I, how, I don't know how everyone else is doing it. And you know the the book that we are talking about is the big activity book for digital detox. So the the, yes. the 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 paradox of where we find ourselves in the moment and the discussion that we're having is quite amusing to me. And and I also think that there's a constructive way for us to do this where we eliminate like digital shaming, right? Yes, that is number one. And a big part of the book actually is about like how the internet is kind of great. You know, Beyonce GIFs exist. That's wonderful. Uh, there are Reddit rooms where you get to just look at things that make you say, oh, that's nice. So it's not like an internet shaming, an internet hating book. It's just saying, you know, enjoy the digital arena for what it is. And then also remember to, to look up once in a while because you might see something really beautiful. Like those darling children with whom you're baking? 
Like <sighs> they, they like baking right now. <laughs> right. They love, they love the attention. Like they are th- like, I have to say that everybody I know that has young kids at home as, as hard as it is on the parents, they all tell me their kids are thriving. Surprise. They are. They are. I, I said, you know, are you guys okay? They were like, yeah, <laughs> we get to watch a lot more TV right now. And we get to be, and really at this end, when they're little, they just want to be with their parents. That's it. So you're, yeah. So it's actually kind of lovely. You're the yes, it. Sweetie, it's, it's not ready right now. Can, <laughs> you're mixing really well. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> oh, tell her she's a rock star mixer. The, the lady who's injuring me wants you to know that you're a rock star mixer. Oh my God. <laughs> so what do we do, Jordan, when we can't get our kids or ourselves off a device? Like what are some strategies where we can put a little balance into the equation? Cause I think that's what a lot of us really need. It's not about like putting the thing away for good. It's really about how do we parse out or give ourselves a respectable diet with digital material? Yeah. I, th- you know what I think it's about finding those little like snippets in your day where you're able to disconnect. Like I have a policy, we go on a walk every day for just, you know, 20 minutes and I don't bring my phone. And that is hard. That is a challenge to not bring it with me because I'm like, what if something happens? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And but I don't bring and what if I want to take a picture of them being cute? And then I realize I don't have to do that. I can take 20 minutes and I cannot take a picture of anything. And it's really lovely. And we have in here um a couple of the activities that I really enjoy, we have scavenger hunts for in the house and for around, you know, a scavenger hunt, walk around the block. Nice. And yeah, I think those are really fun. And we've been actually doing a lot of analog things like, um, you know, I'll say like, go find me something that starts with an A, something that starts with a B, something that starts with every letter of the alphabet. And that takes up an hour. That's a solid hour right there. Yeah, there are things that we can do that actually require some brain power that get us talking to those people who are sitting next to us in the house. And maybe that's what this whole thing is about. And but but you do give us great activities like some activities include crafting with your obsolete phone cords, or maybe old chargers, right? Uh, yeah. What can you make with those things? What can you make with those things? You can make a dog leash for an emergency. You can make, uh, you know, all you have to do is put some is a washi tape and you just throw that on Pinterest and that you call that art. Oh, oh, the, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. The pr- oh, that yeah. pretty tape, the pretty, pretty. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. You can make art. You can make a, a plant holder, right? A plant hanger. You, you can make infinite things with your abandoned iPhone cords, really. I mean, I think the opportunities are just endless. And, and, and name a couple others. Like I know there's digital detox bingo. How does one play that? Well, I, so that's just really about finding all the things that you have achieved in your life lately. Like, did you do a thing and not post about it? That's a square. Did you make a decision without group texting? There you go. Did you delete an app? An app? App deletion is huge. I think it's all about curating your feeds right now. Like, for example, I think Chrissy <laughs> Teigen, I am all about her. I want her in my life. I do not want anyone who owns a pool in my life right now. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see you sitting by your pool because you know what that's called? That's called being on vacation. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's, it's not quarantine. And did you see David? <laughs> no. And did you see David Geffen post his yacht? Did you see that? I didn't, but I did it's receive that. Hilarious. I got the memo. I did get the memo about that from my 95 yeah, year old aunt. She said, do you know that David Geffen is on his ginormous yacht in the middle of the ocean riding this out? <laughs> 
I was like, yeah, he's like, stay safe, everyone. Stay <laughs> home, stay safe. <laughs> oh, my! Fa- I mean, the the memes. I have to say, the content creation going on right now is uh, just just leveled up. Like there was this meme, and it was like, you know, who's really suffering right now? Guys on dating apps. Remember talking to a woman for weeks before you met her? Remember courtship? Write me a poem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now it'll be years before we can have contact. I mean, I'm being uh, facetious, but there is some some kernel of truth in that. I know. I, I mean, and, and it's like all the all the people who you know ghosted women in the weeks leading up to this that they're regretting that now. <laughs> I saw a very funny um, little video. It was a TikTok video, which you know I'm an older person. I'm not old, but you know I'm an older person. TikTok is not my generation, but I do know about it now. And there was the most hysterical video on there of a woman who got dressed up as if she was going out to the nightclub to take her trash out. I love it. She desperately it. needed it. Like she desperately needed to put on the heels, the dress, the, and the makeup. And I totally get that. Yes. I put on eyeliner the other day. I don't know why, but I had to. I had to because I'm tired of looking in the mirror and seeing this shell of a human that I have become. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, there is, there is the haggard element, you know, like we're all just a little shop worn, but let's go back to what it means to really take some time off from these devices. And maybe there's a redirection, something that we can think about when we're tempted to reach for the phone and we want to be good boys and girls and not do it. What do we do? You know, I, I, like I said, I think it's all about thoughtful consumption. And I think it's important to remember why you're doing this. Like, why am I posting this? What is, what is the point? I mean, I think there's a lot of credibility. People are talking about limiting their news consumption to, you know, pick a real source of excellent, you know, an excellent source, like, you know, NPR or the Times. get your news from that. And then that's it. You don't need the endless feedback loop of the news cycle going through your head all day and going through your feed. You know, taking a photograph documenting quarantine life is really interesting. We're going to definitely look back on these times as this is a this is a big moment in history. This is a generation changer. And it is important to document it. I really believe that. But it's not important to document everything. I, you know, it's not the, the constant posting. It's you have to think, why? Who am I trying to reach? And why, you know, and that's been a really interesting challenge for me as, you know, a content, I've been a content creator for the past 10 years and posting all day, you know, literally all day, every day about my life and something about this moment has made me pull back on that in a really big way, which I I have found personally interesting as the world has quieted. It's like, I've wanted to be quiet too. And it's felt very healthy. I want to ask you about that. But first, we're going to take a pause and then we'll come back and we'll continue the conversation with Jordan Reed. We're talking about her book, The Big Activity Book for Digital Detox, to learn more about Jordan and her fabulously fun and insightful work. Please visit RamshackleGlam.com on Twitter at RamshackleGlam, on Facebook, RamshackleGlam, and Instagram the same, RamshackleGlam. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness, is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. 
but we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. back with Jordan Reed talking about digital addiction, lured and hooked on technology by design. Let's get back to the conversation with Jordan. And Jordan, prior to the pause, you talked about the pause that COVID-19 has made in your life. Yeah. So I have been a very public person. I've made a, a business really out of being a public person since I was, you know, 28 a, years old. A baby. And <laughs> I was a little tiny blogger baby just running around the city looking for a free lip gloss. And, you know, I've written books about my life, my first two books, which nobody read. So <laughs> that's okay. You don't, you haven't heard. No, but let's give but them my a plug. my first two books were about my life. Oh, well, it's Ramshackle Glam, The New Mom's Haphazard Guide to Almost Having It All and Carrying On. And they were both parenting memoirs. And I was, I was quite proud of them. But so I, I shared about my life in those. And then, you know, daily on my website, and that was how I, I made a living, really. I worked with brands and I would write about, you know, how I used, you know, how I use Clorox or how, you know, I would paint my room with, you know, Valspar. And, and now something in this moment, it's like I see people really leaning into extraordinary content creation, like the people on TikTok. Um, they're really doing amazing things right now and they're doing really interesting things. And a friend of mine said, Oh my gosh, your business is going to explode right now. You're you just just start creating so much content that people are are craving it. And I said, no, I, I am not going to be that person. I am not going to learn how to use <laughs> a new technology right now. I am not going to you know write the essays of my life. I am I am I want to be quieter. I want to yeah. spend time with my children who are literally at this moment delivering me pieces of paper with notes on them. Because <laughs> they, they they need to tell me things. Oh, that's so cute! Can you read the notes? <laughs> I do. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of cute. <laughs> One note says, "Is it ready to lick the bowl and spoon?" And the other note says, "Please, yes, you may lick the bowl and spoon. Go for yeah! it." Just oh yeah, that'll, eat all the that, that'll that'll probably occupy them for about three whole minutes. Eat, no. eat all of it. Go no, no. What? No. Don't eat all of it. Eat a little bit of it, and then we'll make the brownies. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and it's been, it's like, and that's a scary thing to realize because that's been a significant percentage of my income. And all of a sudden I, I kind of don't want to do it. I just want to write. I want to write differently. I want to write. I don't want to write about myself. And then, so, you know, there's nothing like a pandemic to really throw things into perspective for you. Yeah. And it's hard to parse out like what, what, you know, how much of what, and we're all feeling crazy things. We're, we're realizing who we want to be with and who we, who, you know, doesn't make us feel good to be around. And it's hard to parse out how much of this realization is sort of fight or flight reaction to the, the crisis and how much of it is, is genuine. And I think that's the challenge for all of us is, is figuring out what this has taught us and how much is, is panic and how much is real. Yeah. 
I was getting some meat today where, where I am riding this crisis out in a hamlet in the middle of New York state. We have a 24 hour automat for beef and chicken and pork. And I was in, I, I could just give it a plug, Applestone, the butcher. And there was a woman who was having a meltdown at the automat because she couldn't get her credit card to work. And so I offered to help her at that safe six foot distance. I mean, it was really kind of comical. And she said, thank you for helping me. She says, this whole food thing is really getting to me. And, and I looked at her, we made mm-hmm. eye contact behind the masks, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it really hits like the serious primal button. Yep. It really does. It's fascinating. I mean, the last time I can remember having this like weird primal right after my daughter was born, my mother was visiting, she was staying with me and she had a cough. She wasn't sick. She just had a chronic cough for a while. And I knew that she wasn't sick. I knew that she just, it was like an irritation in her throat, but it was this really heavy cough. And I was, I would like lose it whenever she came near my, my daughter. And I like, I couldn't, (laughs) I I was like, mom, don't come up with me. But it was crazy because she wasn't, yes, honey, on you. Uh, It was because she wasn't sick. I knew that. I knew it. And something like, it it, it was like this primal, yeah, this this very primal reflex. And, And, you know, people who have had children know that like, there's that, I think that's pretty common to have that like crazy hormonal, like you're just so hooked into your emotions after you have a baby and they're crazy emotions. And I, and I feel like people are getting that right now. Like if you, if you have anxiety, it is amped up. If you have any sort of issues are really like dialed, dialed up right now. They are definitely amplified. And then at one point when we look to the phones to find comfort, you know, the digital devices and that whole social media thing, some of us are becoming more agitated and and choosing to dial back because it's not helping yeah. matters, you know? No, I mean, I mean, personally, there is a lot of content out there that it's not good for me to see it. You know, I see I was looking at <laughs> I went on Instagram this morning and there was this picture of uh, a, this beautiful woman and her hair is done and she's dressed in clothing. And she was standing no. in this beautiful, yes. <laughs> and she was standing in this beautiful all white house with this stylish mirror and the plants and the throw pillows just so. And I had this really um, bitchy reflex where I just went, she definitely doesn't have kids. And I was like, ew, who am I? Why am I being judgy and mean just because this woman is, you know, has a nice picture up? And I went on her feet and she does have kids. So I don't, I don't even understand. But what I realized was the reaction that none of this made sense to me, but the reaction that I had was of course about me. It's not about her. Maybe she's just, who knows? Maybe there's a mess outside the frame of that photo, probably. And I have certainly done that myself over the years. I published, you know, lovely photo and just piles of trash just out where you can't see them. But the fact that it had this like weird negative reaction from me, I didn't like what it brought out in myself. So you know what? I'm going to unfollow her, not because she did anything wrong, not because she doesn't have a lovely feed, because I need to take away those the things that bring out that sort of ugly side of myself. I don't need that right now. 
You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And when we talk about positive psychology and the science of happiness, and now we'll get a little clinical here, that that the um, the social comparison, this need to keep up with the Joneses or yeah. to, to believe everything that we see out there in the media is true, which we know it's not. There's a lot of movie making going on on multiple levels. That's right. And like I said, there's going to be incredible content creation happening right now. And we have to remember, it is not a keeping up with the Joneses situation. And, you know, and as a content creator, that is a really challenging thing to sort of wrap my mind around. But I'm also realizing that that's not what's important to me. It's not. It's not the ability to, to sit down and read a book on my front porch with my son and not take a photograph of it. That's important to me. Well, there's the next book, the big activity book for real life. Mm-hmm. Actually, the next book, um, I'm about to finish it. It's due, in, it's due in three weeks. I'm really, yeah, I think I can do that, right? Oh, yeah, uh, no problem. The big activity book for divorced people is the next one. Oh, yeah, because uh, that, that's a fairly new thing. I mean, when we first uh, started speaking and you came on the show prior, your, your move across the country was fresh. And so was the beginning mm-hmm. of a new life. And yep. yeah, there's a lot to rebound from and recalibrate when one door closes and another opens. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And I'll, and you know, this, this is actually throwing all that stuff into high relief. Also just, you know, shared custody in the time of coronavirus is a really fascinating topic. Somebody else was talking about that the other day, because like, you don't really know how he or she, you know, what their level of safety is, you know, like, and you have no control over it. Right. And, you know, maybe you have one parent who's not working or both parents not working or, you know, and the kids have no school and all of a sudden all the schedules are, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I, I did interview uh, lawyers and psychologists right after this happened for an article. And uh, the answer is, it's unprecedented. There is no legal basis for this. And good luck. <laughs> yeah. You got everybody, really? everybody is winging it. But I, you know, I think that there's some peace in that. Like, if you know that everybody is like learning to fly the plane, <laughs> you know, as they're building it, like yes. there's some comfort yes. in that. Like, I'm not alone. You're not alone. We're all, everybody in the world is going through this same thing about recalibrating and shifting priorities, logistics, you know, some people's lives have, have changed so dramatically on so many yeah. levels. Yeah. I mean, and whatever plans you had for the future, well, they're gone. And, and there is, there is something, obviously there's something distressing in that, but there's also something very exciting and very freeing. Just this sense of, I, like, I don't know where I'm going, but neither does anybody else. And really that was true all along. Yes, it was true all along, but we didn't know it. We didn't know it. We didn't know it. I want to just read a you little. You want to make, what is it? You want to make God laugh, make a plan? Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> laughing now. Laughing now. <laughs> we are nearly out of time. And I, and I want to just say, if you're yearning for freedom from your devices, find a pen and turn to the pages of this timely and hilarious book. You don't even need to tweet about how retro you are or geotag the coffee shop where you read it. In fact, you might not even be able to get to that coffee shop that you usually go to. Soon enough, Jordan Reed and her co-author or illustrator, Aaron, will be by your side. You'll find that life without filters looks good on you. And I think that that is the point, Jordan. Life without filters. Yeah. Life without filters. Life without filters. Jordan, come back and let's talk about the next book. 
But the one we're talking about today is the big activity book for Digital Detox, written by my guest Jordan Reed, and the illustrations were done by Erin Williams. We want to give her a plug. To learn more about Jordan and her work, please visit RamshackleGlam.com. On Twitter at RamshackleGlam, Facebook and Instagram are the same, RamshackleGlam. Jordan, always a pleasure, really. Such a pleasure. Yes, good fun, good fun. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests, Nir Ayal and Jordan Reed, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Remember to stay safe and healthy. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU-RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.